Jake's Farming Now Podcast with your host, Jake Solomon. And welcome back to another episode of the Look Who's Farming Now Podcast. Very special guest today, all the way from Cleveland, Ohio. Who would have guessed? Uh, Mr. Josh Womack. Josh, thank you for joining the program. Yeah, Jake, thanks for having me. Right now in Cleveland, uh, I'm trying to think, it's about 83 degrees. Oh, it's beautiful. It's sunny, and um, I think we're just going to try to ride this wave as long as we can until uh, the weather turns south, probably sooner rather than later, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to stay positive for right now. <laughs> I was going to say, you might have a few minutes, maybe an hour. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, very cool. So for the people that don't know, uh, Josh and I actually met somehow, some way. I was doing an internship, and Josh was a former intern of where I did that internship, uh, and so we met at one of the the uh, events that we had to put on uh, at the internship program. I'm not sure if I should say the name of it, but we'll just, it, it's a very respectable place. It's not like it's a, a cult or anything like that. It's a very uh, publicly known place. Uh, met Josh there, super nice guy, one of the nicest guys I've ever met. He does stand-up comedy, he's been doing it for a while, uh, and so wanted to pick his brain um, immediately. And so, Josh, kind of take us through uh, where you got your start uh, in comedy. And was it actually in Cleveland? Or did you go, oh, glasses coming off, did it go outside of Cleveland and or Ohio for your start? Or did you actually get started in Cleveland? Yeah, no, it, it all started in Cleveland. You know, I think if you ask probably eight out of ten Cleveland comedians, uh, they'll probably tell you they got started with uh, Dave Schwenson's comedy workshop at the Cleveland Improv. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the um, – the launching pad for, like I said, yeah. most comedians. Um, and the way that, you know, the way that class is kind of formatted is you do like three rehearsals. Um, so you do them from like one to 4 PM for three Saturdays in a row. And the class is usually like eight to 10 people. Um, and really like you just, you try stuff out, you know, you get up on stage, uh, you kind of go through what you consider your, your set at the time. And, you know, Dave doesn't really, tell you how to write jokes. He kind of just gives you instruction on like what is a universal topic that you can get away with, you know, like kind of going along, you know, down like the Ray Romano lines of like, you know, talking about family and stuff, everything, you know, everybody can, can get used to. Um, you talk about relationships, grocery stores. Um, you know, if some of the subjects are too kind of too inside baseball, he'll kind of steer you away from that. Um, which is good, which is good because it's definitely, you know, helpful to know what everybody can relate to. Um, but no, you know, after those, um, I guess after those classes, you know, you do what I'm doing air quotes right now, but you do what you call your graduation showcase, uh, at the Cleveland improv on like a random Wednesday night. Um, I think the tickets at the time were one or $3. Uh, so, uh, it, it wasn't the hottest ticket in town, but I think they just wanted to get a bunch of butts in the seats and, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, everyone, all the all the students were asked to do like a three minute set, and uh, I remember I remember doing that set, and I don't think that I totally bombed. I don't think that I totally killed. I felt like maybe I fell somewhere in the middle, um, but you know, it was one of those times where like I look back at it now, and it's like I probably just did like stupid, easy, local, hacky jokes that. Only Clevelanders would find funny, but I guess that's where I was, you know, comedically at the time. So it makes sense. Yeah, of course. Did you uh, prior to that show had you been on stage before? Did you, had you had any public speaking experience? It, Jake, it all kind of runs together, man. Like I, I was really trying to like like dig deep, and I think 
Yeah, I think the the improv show was my first time doing stand up, um, and I remember I had two other shows really close to that time. I think. Like the week after, I had a show at a now defunct coffee shop that was in Lakewood called Bella Dubby, um, where oh, yeah. they would do they would do an open mic every Monday, and uh, it was kind of like the wild wild west of Cleveland comedy. Um, <laughs> you get you know you get your Mike Polks you know showing up, you get people who never attempted stand up you know showing up. So yeah, I did that that show at Bella Dubby, and then I think I did some sort of showcase maybe that same week at you know the the famous funny stop in Cuyahoga Falls. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. so every Cle- Cleveland comedian has their spots that they hit. And those are, those are three of the more popular ones at the time. So, so you go into the, that first, uh, I'll just focus on the graduation one. Did you, are you, did you invite people? Were you nervous to invite people to that show? No, I, I think I was pretty excited actually. Um, okay. there's kind of like, there's kind of a simple ignorance as you're just starting out. Um, because I don't know, there was something about, I didn't, I didn't really care if I fell on my face or not. I just, I just wanted to invite people to like a big party. And, and that's mm-hmm. in my mind, that's kind of what stand up was. It was just like every show was like a party and you were kind of like the host of it a little bit. Um, and luckily I had some supportive family and friends that, you know, came out to it. Um, and I talk about it in my book a little bit where you really have to love someone to see them attempt stand up for the first time. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, it can be uh, it can be pretty brutal, pretty brutal. Did you do you remember for that show? Did you get some laughs? I would mean, imagine you got enough to give yourself the the confidence to keep on doing it. Uh, but was there a lot of was there any moments where you were freaking out on stage because it's your first time doing stand up or anything? Yeah, I think um, like I said, I think I did some I don't know some local hacky bits. Um, some really easy jokes about the Browns because they sucked at the time, which wasn't anything new, you know, but like I did that. I think I did a joke where I compared myself to like a, like a shorter version of Ryan Seacrest. Cause I had on like a sport coat at the time and I was a lot younger looking. It was, I mean, it was like 15 years ago. Um, so that, I think that got a few chuckles and, I honestly can't remember anything else. But the funny part is in in the book, I talk about, you know, after the graduation showcase, um, you had a chance to buy a VHS tape of your set because oh, wow. Dave, Dave had like a camera guy there and you could buy a VHS tape of your set for like 20 bucks. So I remember after the show, I bought the VHS tape and then I thought that I threw this tape out during one of my moves. You know, it was like the VHS tape is like one of those things that like I always held on to. It was always in like a junk drawer or like the trunk of my car. It was like one of those things I could never just get rid of. Like I always held on to it. And I thought that I got rid of it. But ironically enough, just two months ago, we were cleaning out my wife's car because we were trading it in. And I and I found the tape. Um, <laughs> and the funny part is I don't, I just don't know how to go about getting a VHS player to actually watch it. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe, maybe one afternoon when I'm feeling brave, I'll, I'll sit down and actually yeah. take a look at that. But I know that there's like, a, well, maybe not in Cleveland, but I know there's like stores where you can like do a VHS to like DVD transfer type of thing. There's people out there that can make that happen. I would, I I would love to, to watch it. Yeah. I mean, I think about like, I would love to watch the whole, like everyone who was in that class. 
Um, I, I would love to see like just the things that we talked about, um, just what was going through our heads at the time. Um, but yeah, it was, um, yeah, what an experience that was. And, mm-hmm. and it was funny because, um, that was in 2007, 10 years later, uh, I got a call from my dad. My dad was driving downtown. He gave me a call and I asked what he was up to. And my dad was actually driving to take Dave's workshop. So, (laughs) yeah. So my dad was 64 years old and he wanted to try stand up for the first time. So, uh, he did this, he did the same thing I did. He did the three classes and I came to see him do his three minute set, uh, at the improv on a random Wednesday night. And, uh, it was, it was awesome. He hit, I, he did better than I did for sure. Yeah. yeah, Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. More life experience, just more of a natural. Um, it was, it was a blast though. That's amazing. Did they record his set on VHS as well? <laughs> Let's see. This was 2017. Um, I don't know. I I don't think anyone. Re- I don't know if anyone recorded it with their phone. Actually, that's maybe I'll have to ask my younger brother because he was there with me. I'll have yeah. to see if maybe he held on to that. Hmm. That's interesting. Did Did you think after um, doing the uh, the workshop, the the comedy workshop, did you feel like uh, you got steps on how to write kind of having your formula for like how you go about writing jokes or like you know i know every comic like has a different approach and like a different strategy to kind of putting jokes together did they give you anything uh like that or did you walk away with kind of having your own writing process or was that something you still had to develop after the class yeah that was something i still kind of had to figure out on my own um and i I think the other students in the class did too um because like i said dave didn't really give too much on like comedic writing instruction um he basically like just kind of gave you like guardrails of topics that like an audience could relate to topics that they couldn't relate to but it's funny because now that i kind of look back on the stand-up years um the one i mean the thing that i can say with full honesty honesty is i i didn't write enough to be like like a consistent working comedian like i just I had 12 to 15 minutes of like tried and true material. Um, that was a solid 12 to 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes if I did crowd work and like I stretched it out Mm -hmm. a little bit, but I feel like to like really make a go at it, at least to be a feature act, like I feel like you need at least like 30 good minutes, like at the, at the bare minimum. So I guess if I could go back, I would be more disciplined about my writing. Um, which is ironic because now I'm a copywriter. So, I am disciplined about my writing. It just took me a few yeah. years to get there. <laughs> how, how did you get into copywriting? Yeah. Uh, you know, at the time I was um, writing speeches, uh, me and another buddy of mine had a little outfit, if you remember, called Laugh Staff. And uh, so we, yeah. were doing, we were doing a lot of speech writing, um, speech writing in terms of like best man, made of honor toast, things like that. And um, I just had a friend reach out to me who had worked at an ad agency here in Cleveland and um, she had just started at Progressive and she reached out one day and just said, hey, like, I don't know if copywriting is of any interest to you, but I think this is something that you you might be good at. And, um, you know, it didn't take my insecure mind um, to take that compliment and kind of run with it mm-hmm. a little bit. So I remember I, I, I started Googling what copywriting was and, you know, I found out that it was writing for advertising and um you know, I just started to kind of put two and two together a little bit. And I was, I think I was, 
I think I was 31 when I got that email. Um, so, you know, the, my book title is, you know, I'm not a copywriter, but lessons learned from a late bloomer. So I kind of mm-hmm. consider myself a little bit of a late bloomer considering I didn't know copywriting was a paying profession until I was 31 years old. Yeah. So did you, uh, I'm curious from a comedic mind, I know you're not like a dirty comic, but like, did you ever have a point where maybe you're writing, uh, some copy for some marketing program and it was not that you'd ever have anything about like a dick pic or, or whatever in copy, but was there ever a point where like maybe you, you went too far? I mean, I'm sure it's easy to have them kind of pull stuff back, but I'm just curious if you, how big of an adjustment or adjustments do you always have to make as a copywriter? Like, I guess I, I'm not sure about that world. So I'm just kind of curious if you ever give too much and they have to tell you to pull back or do you start pulled back and then they, you have to wait for like the freedom or yeah. okay to kind of go off. Yeah, there's kind of like an unwritten copywriting rule of three. So it's like you give them like say like you have to write like a headline for like an email or like a billboard. So like the first headline will be the safe one. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's that's the one that like is probably the least creative, but probably the one that they're going to choose because it's safe. Mm -hmm. And then the next the next one, you kind of push it a little bit where you kind of show like a little bit of your personality peeking through. So it's like you write the headline and, you know, people will look at it and they'll be like, oh, okay. Like it's got kind of like a little smirk or like a little wink to it, so to speak. And then the third headline is kind of like the really far out there headline. Like the one that like you're 99% sure that they won't choose, but you write it anyway. Um, and it's funny because in, at least in my time, I've been doing this seven years. Like I think what, what marketing people like is, they don't mind to like to rein you in a little bit. Like they rather have you think of like the crazy idea and then like they'll kind of help you pull it back a little bit, you know? So, you know, I always thought like, I don't know, like I I'm actually surprised that more comedians don't take up copywriting because in my mind, it kind of flexes the same creative muscles a little bit. You know, it gets you, it gets you writing on a daily basis, you know, which is huge. And it gets you to kind of like look at things just like a little differently. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been, you know, going from comedy to copywriting, there were some growing pains along the way. Um, but for the most part, like you have that writing element down. So then you just have to transition it to, you know, kind of like a marketing landscape. Gotcha. I, I feel like you'd be able to, do you, when you're, um, I don't know how broad, like saying you're a copywriter is that, is that, Literally just like uh, making the slogan for uh, a marketing campaign or like would you also have a hand in like making a commercial? Like you'd be able to say like, yeah, I want the ideas that we have all chickens crossing the road. And then like that's our transition into our new phrase or whatever. Do you, do you have a hand in that as well or is that a completely separate one? Yeah, I would say, you know, the commercial stuff is like kind of like the like the – like the sexy side of marketing, I guess you could say, like everybody wants to work on a commercial, you know, um, everybody wants to be on set and kind of have that, you know, that feather in their cap, so to speak. Um, but a lot of it, you know, is kind of, um, more under the radar stuff. So, you know, it's obviously a lot of emails. Um, it's, you know, what's gonna, what's gonna be in that subject line in the email when it pops in your Gmail, like what's that Mm -hmm. line going to look like? So you actually open the email what is the headline going to say? What's the body copy going to say? Um, and then you think about there's a lot of direct mail too. 
or what we would call junk mail because we throw most of it out. Um, mm-hmm. But 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 junk mail to a business is actually pretty important because number one, like direct mail is is very cheap to produce, um, so you can produce a lot of it at a low cost, and then it's very uh, it's very trackable. So if someone actually takes you up on your direct mail and you know buys insurance or you know, buys this or that, you can kind of track to see how well that direct mail is working. Um, so I would say like direct mail and email, though it's not the stuff that like you'll see like on TV, it is like very important work, you know, when you're, you know, when you're doing copywriting. Is there, um, cause I do want to, uh, ask about your, your best and worst bombs, but, uh, just curious really quick, if, if there was a pitch that you had that you did not expect to get, and like, I'm just kind of curious what your craziest pitch was that somehow, some way, they ended up liking or they wanted to take on, if you have one. Yeah, that's a great question. We did, um, okay, so this idea wasn't mine, but I was part of the team that, that helped with it. Um, a couple years ago, for April Fool's Day, we did this idea um, around, uh, Mars insurance for, so insurance for life on Mars, Mm -hmm. because I think it was like 2017 or 2018. And like, I don't know if it was like Elon Musk stuff or whatever, but like there was all this stuff of like, yeah, like, you know, like there's going to be like a colony on Mars within like a couple years. And, um, you know, like it's going to be like a real thing. So we came up with this idea, like, of Mars insurance, like protecting your home and your car and having coverage, like while you live on Mars. So we did this idea where we had like one of our like leadership people at progressive, like do almost like a, um, like a Steve jobs, like iPhone launch kind of thing where it was just like him with like, you know, like a empty stage, just kind of like talking about everything that was going to happen. And we actually did the video on April fool's day. So that was like, that was like the little hook to it, I guess you could say. And, um, I look back at it now. I mean, we probably could have executed it a little better, but I thought at least for an insurance company, that was pretty, that was pretty fun. And, and obviously I'm talking about it, I'm talking about it now. So obviously I remember it, which is good. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, is, is that actually, so was that a video? Is that online somewhere? If I wanted to see it. That is, I would have to. It internal might be, video. It might be, see. Yeah, it might be somewhere. Uh, we have a site for our internal agency. It's called 96. It might be somewhere on that site if you dig deep enough. Okay. Yeah. If you could just share that information with myself as well as the listeners. Um, sure. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, before we let you go, I had to ask if you've had any uh, notable bombs, what your biggest bomb is, or maybe one that, you know, you just remember more than any, whether you, you know, you threw up on stage or something like that. I was curious if you have any, any, any stories like that, that really stick out, um, in your comedy career. Yeah. Um, man, it's so funny. You can, you can remember moments, but you can't remember like the (laughs) joke behind the moment. You just remember more of like the feel, like the feeling. And I just remember I was, I was doing a show at the Cleveland comedy festival one time and I had this joke that I was really excited about. And I remember when I said the punchline, like I leaned in to like the microphone and I like leaned into the audience because I really thought I was going to get a good pop from the audience. Yeah. 
and I got nothing. And but the 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 silver lining was another comedian who was there, like knew that I had bombed, and and he knew that I thought the joke was going to be good, and he was laughing hysterically because of the bomb. Yeah, because it was such an awkward moment. So that kind of yeah. like that kind of smoothed that out a little bit. So it wasn't as <laughs> catastrophic as it could be. Um, yeah. but that's like, I don't know, that's like one thing that I can, that I can remember. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there were hundreds, if not thousands of, of more. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, it's a rite of passage. Nature yeah. of the um, well, that, that's great. That's awesome to hear kind of, I think you're the first person that we've had on the show that uh, at least openly expressed, uh, their, their background in the, uh, the comedy school. Uh, so it's great that we have a, a first, uh, comedy school graduate from, uh, Dave's Punchins, uh, improv school of comedy. Um, Josh, before I let you go, uh, what do you have going on? I know you have a new book. Um, where can people find it? What do you talk about in the book? Yeah. So, uh, I got a, it's my first book, hopefully not my last. Um, but it's called, I'm not a copywriter, but lessons learned from a late bloomer. And, um, I started writing this book in December of last year. Um, so it's a short, it's a short book. It's only about, it's only about 15,000 words, which equates to about a 45, 50 minute read. But in it, I talk a lot about, um, my standup days. I talk about laugh staff and speech writing. Um, I, I have a section where, uh, I talk about trying professional wrestling for 90 days and and failing miserably (laughs) at it. Um, I talk about writing monologue jokes and kind of figuring out that world, world a little bit. And I kind of take all those experiences and kind of apply them to what I'm doing now, you know, with copywriting and some of the lessons that I've learned, some of the stuff that I'm still learning. And it's, yeah, it's a little, it's kind of just like a little pocket sized book for, I would say like junior or mid-level creatives who, you know, might have a, a bad day at work and, you know, might just want some, some levity and some, some short how to's and no, it's been it's been a blast to, to go through this process. Um, it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble online. Um, and if I could, I definitely recommend, you know, if anyone's been thinking about writing a book, definitely give it a try. It's, uh, it's definitely a test of patience and perseverance, but I think if you stick with it long enough, you'll, you'll be happy with the result. How long did it take you to, to write it? I guess through all the revisions and, and everything beginning to end, how long was that process? Yeah. So that, that whole process was probably, probably about four to six months. Um, and like I said, it's it's a, it's a short book. I mean, I know, you know, my boss, he wrote a book and he was working on his for about four and a half, five years. Um, now his is a lot, lot longer than mine. Um, but I, I'm kind of impatient too. So like, I don't know if I could write something that took four or five years. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, like four to six months was a nice, was a nice little sweet spot. Yeah, definitely. I, I thought you were going to say it took four to five years, so four to six months. Uh, yeah, that sounds way easier. I, I think especially some things like, on, you know, for myself, if I have like a project, especially like a passion project like that, I got to do it quick. I got to do it while it's top of mind because if I, if I set it to the side, it's going to be easy for me to forget about and not finish. So, um, But that's how I'm wired anyways. Uh, Josh, thanks for joining the show. Uh, before we let you go, where can people follow you? Do you want them to follow you on social media? Uh, but how can people uh, stay stay up to date on all the uh, the Josh Womack latest? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's just same thing on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Joshua Womack eighty two. 
Um, yeah, give me a follow uh, on Instagram. I post a lot of pictures of my dog. Um, oh yeah. When, when you don't, when you're pro, when you're approaching forty and you don't have kids, that's <laughs> what you do. You you post pictures of your dog. 